Ride Report, a podcast from the Master Executive Council of JetBlue Alpha for the union pilots of JetBlue. Now from New York, Ride Report. Well, hello once again and welcome back to another episode of Ride Report. I'm your host, J.R. Hall, JetBlue Alpha Central Air Safety Focal Gatekeeper. And I know it's been a little bit since we've had a chance to uh, get another episode of Ride Report out. A lot of stuff that we're going to cover here coming up in the next two, three weeks. But really, it's been nothing uh, but an incredibly busy summer for JetBlue pilots. But it's also been busy for us as well because we're full-time flying the line as well as trying to find time to do this and get everybody uh, coordinated, get schedules around, and probably one of the hardest guys to pin down, but the most valuable individual, especially in point of time right now, to have a chance to sit down and talk with is Charles Pooch Pucciarello, Chair of the Retirement and Insurance Committee here with JetBlue Alpha. And it's a big time, right, Pooch? It's a big time. It's a time to review, take a high-level look at your life. Exactly. Open enrollment for 2022. The benefits, we'll talk about insurance, healthcare, VEBA, and 401k contributions, and everything else that kind of sprinkles into um, So a lot of stuff to get covered. First things first, as of our recording today on uh, Friday the 22nd, the open enrollment is the period of October 28th to November 11th. And just like last year, you'll log on to BCSS and make your selections. I noticed it, and I don't know if anybody else has noticed it, but there's no brochure that's coming in the mail. There's no colorful mailer. Yeah, that's correct. So that's a little, it's a departure, but uh, aren't we all going paperless with everything? So I would recommend everybody to go find that thing on lifeisbetterinblue.com. But go ahead and bookmark that in your iPad or wherever, because it's a great resource. Uh, we'll talk about later on where, what other things you can find in uh, Life is Better in Blue. Uh, whether you're going out on disability, need to call a provider, uh, that's, that's the place you're going to find the information. So go ahead and bookmark that. Let's take it back to your committee real quick because you, uh, you have a total of uh, four, if I'm correct, and then we just uh, onboarded a brand new uh, benefits coordinator as well. But give us a little history. Who's, uh, who's working on the committee? What are their specialties uh, within retirement insurance? Okay, first we got we got Bert Tarvin, and he's our insurance specialist. We have Mike Riley, he's a retirement specialist and also on the VEBA board. We have Scott Hall on healthcare and OJI, and we also have uh, Jeff Good, who's a all-around player uh, doing retirement issues and trying to set up some education. Our newest addition is Crystal Oliver, which we're happy to have, is our benefits specialist or civilian, if you will, works for Alpa National and works for us. And uh, you're going to be seeing a lot more of her in the future, especially when you have PDR. She'll be answering those or giving you a call. So very happy to have her on board as a great resource for the future. You mentioned the PDR aspect of getting in touch with Retirement Insurance Committee. There are people that shy away from it. They think it's too much. It's belabored communication. It's easier to you know telephone call or an email or something like that. But PDR is really a good way to get in touch with you guys there because it's a tracked communication. It gives you a reminder that there's an outstanding communication to go back, but it, it creates that connection from somebody within your committee to a pilot that's got a question, correct? Yeah, that's correct. And uh, other things it does is when we have uh, new people come on board, and you know, actress Crystal, when she wants to research some topics, she's into the PDR system and she can look up a topic and see, 
all the different re responses we've had in the past, uh, when we have to go to the company, we can say, you know, we have a problem with this, you know, this issue. And now we can say, we've had 15 pilots with this issue. So it's, it's hard data that we can get the solution right away. Whatever problem it is, it's always better to have that communication. And hey, you know, we'll, we can also give you a call too, but we're going to mark in our notes that we gave you a call and what we talked about. I'll hand you the floor and, and give us a 30,000 foot overview of some of the changes we'll see for 2022, and then we'll start to break them down individually. Sure. Well, first things first, I mean, the first thing you do is not open up BCSS and start selecting things. You want to probably take a high level look at your situation and what you're spending your money on. We had some pretty uh, trying times last two years, and I think it's a great time for people to look and reflect on how they felt about their situation, you know, how they felt about a possible reduction or loss of income over those uh, few months. Our industry has always been kind of volatile. You know, it's been pretty steady state for a long time, and this was the first real hiccup we've had in a long time. But as we all know, who's been around for a while, anything can happen. So it's not controversial advice to think about your emergency account, having financial uh, wherewithal to make it through a few months without income. Continue on that. You know, this is your best time to review. When we talk about healthcare, what kind of things did you spend your money on healthcare? Because that's really going to guide your choices in the future. You know, what, what kind of income are you trying to protect? That's what's going to guide your choice in disability. So those are the kinds of things you want to look at before you just start uh, looking into your choice on BCSS and say, I don't know what I need here. What's best? Take a good look at yourself and what you're doing. That'll really help you uh, make a decision going forward. Uh, the other thing, you know, just like tax time, you review your finances for the year. When you're going through all your uh, benefits, you should review all your beneficiaries for all your accounts. Uh, it's you want number one, it makes sure everything is correct, and number two, you actually log on, make sure you have the passwords, and you are uh, everything's validated within your account, and you know what's there, and it gives you a, just a good overview of what your current benefits are. It's kind of like the frequent reminder to change your batteries in the smoke detector. You should always, number one, know what all the passwords are. Number two, know that all the beneficiaries are exactly who they need to be, right? That's right. And if, if you have a spouse, you know, you want to probably brief your spouse on these benefits because if you're incapacitated, they're the person who's really going to have to uh, help you make decisions or at least have a contact at JetBlue or the union to uh, help you get started. So that's another thing. Do we want to jump into healthcare now and kind of talk about the some of the differences in 2022 and some of the things that are remaining the same? Sure. I mean, we still green plan, blue plan, right? Still the blue plan and the green plan, and and that's pretty much uh, mandated in our CBA. Uh, currently, about 75% of our pilots are enrolled in one type of healthcare plan or another. That's about 3,000 pilots. So for this year, we're we're seeing some rate increases. You know, not extraordinary like we've seen in years past, but overall it's about 5%. And uh, you can see those numbers and the changes in the open enrollment guide. Uh, this year was a little different. Uh, we did an actuarial review, which is uh, allowable in the CBA. And that was pretty much prompted by COVID because what happened during COVID, just let me backtrack a little bit. The, the way they determine rates for the plan is sort of look at past experience and what the expenses are and what people did. But during COVID, obviously, we had a completely different use of healthcare. Uh, a lot of procedures weren't allowed. People weren't going to their regular doctors at regular times. So we had a, a real 
swing or sway in the use and the timing of that. So we, they couldn't use normal data for that. And they had to make a, a sort of change and weight things a little differently. And that this isn't something unique to JetBlue. This happened to healthcare plans uh, nationwide. And, and this was a generally accepted practice. But we did the actuarial review. And we don't do that every year. But, you know, going into um, contract review and going forward, it was a good time to get a, uh, a health check on how we're doing with, with the plan and what the expenses are and what we can look forward to and if it's being done correctly. And, you know, that all checked out. Differences between the uh, the blue plan and uh, the green plan that we have. We talked quickly about the increase in the out-of-pocket. A lot of people are seeing that. Is there anything else good, bad, or indifferent that's made a big impact to either one of these two plans? No, I mean, a lot of those, uh, a lot of those limits are based on the ACA. And what qualifies as a high deductible health care plan, you don't, there's not really a big difference to, between the blue and the green plan overall. You see a little cheaper premium for the green plan, and we, we're going to talk about that in a second. But what you really want to know when you're choosing green or blue is what you spend your money on. Uh, if you have high prescription drug costs or you're on a regular prescription drugs, just know that your prescription drugs count towards your deductible in the green plan, but not in the blue plan. The other thing to remember is that in the blue plan, you have a health savings account. In the green plan, you have a health reimbursement account. Now, the big difference between the two, the HSA account, that's yours and it's always yours and the money doesn't have to be used at any time. You can save that money and roll it over year after year. You can invest the money and you can save that all the way through to retirement and fund your retiree health care. Unlike the Viva, it has what you want to call a survivability. So not only your spouse, it, it's all part of your estate. And then say yeah. you have plenty of money for your retiree health care. You can actually spend that money just like you would 401k money. Just it'll be taxable when you withdraw it. So there's there's a lot of options. The, the only limitation is uh, you can't put that much money into it. It's only $7,300 a year. If I could, I'd put more in it and we wouldn't require to have a Viva. Or, or need need that extra tool, but people like that as a savings account. It's a very powerful tool in that respect. Uh, the HRA, that's money that the company gives you. That's your seed money, and that's your healthy rewards. And that has a limitation: minimal rollover of two hundred fifty dollars a year, and you have to use it. Uh, the FSA, same thing, except that's your money, and that's money you defer at your salary pre-tax. Use it or lose it. And then I have some utilization stats for the H- HSA, which a lot of people aren't really using the powerful part of that, which is to save it over time. We only have maybe 20% of pilots uh, keeping, a, a, keeping a balance year after year, believe it or not, or tw- excuse me, 20% of the HSA participants. So really, it's an underutilized tool in the uh, tool quiver. Pooch, I want to get to disability here in in a second and talk about some of the changes, not only from providers, but uh, any potential cost increase as well. But before we close green, blue plan differences, any other feedback follow-up? Sure. I'd say one of the the most frequent PDRs we receive is how difficult healthy rewards have been to get these days. We agree. Uh, There's a lot of different hoops you have to jump through to get those things, but but it is possible. But you have to remember the company expects to recover 70% of the money they promise you every year. That's one of the reasons the blue plan is a little more expensive because when they give you that seed money, they can't, they can't claw it back through the end of year, use it or lose it. But 70%, and that, that equates to about a million dollars for the pilot group 
that where you give back to JetBlue by not claiming these benefits. As they price the plan, you know, they're counting on this money to come back. If everybody claimed their rewards, the plan would get more expensive. But in the long run, you should do your work and get your money, uh, is, is what I'm saying. And we, we put out a reminder every, uh, every quarter to say, hey, go get your healthy rewards because it's your money. But we've seen the difficulties and we understand that and we're looking into a solution. The other complaint we get is how many different logons and how many different vendors we have. There's probably 15 to 20 different places you have to log on to to get all your benefits and figure out uh, where you have to go. If you want to invest your HSA money, it's a different login than getting your healthy rewards, which is Rally, which which is different than uh than some of the other ones. But look, anyone who has your personal information or financial information has to implement cybersecurity protocols and they're all gonna be doing this. And I'm sure you see it in your uh, regular day-to-day that uh, there's there's a login for everything and now there's a double login or uh, verification on every single time you log in somewhere. But that, that's just sort of life. Look, there's there's protocols and requirements from every single government organization, the SEC for financial things. Uh, you have HIPAA. It's it's a lot of requirements, and we're familiar with it from some of the things we run here um, for, for the VIBA, that cybersecurity is important, and people need their privacy and their uh, financial information protected. Uh, just the last one, dental has no real meaningful increases, but I, I always like to say, hey, if, if, if you're with your dentist, you know, Check with your dentist to make sure that the plan you're going to enroll in next year is a plan that they're going to honor. I know it's happened to many people where they're with a dentist, they're enrolling in the same plan they had last year, but their dentist changes. It doesn't hurt to ask your dentist if you're going to be okay under this plan if you want to keep that dentist. Very good. Let's roll into disability. And from first glance, seeing that there's a couple of provider changes, uh, but when it comes to uh, the the different disabilities that we have, long-term, short-term, um, and and voluntary LOL, loss of license, what, what are we seeing for 2022? Okay. So uh, short-term disability, we're changing from MetLife to Sedgwick. Uh, all the plan design remains the same, meaning, you know, the, what you're going to get paid, what it's based on. There's no changes to how that should be determined, what your lookbacks are. The only change is who is actually going to manage the program. Uh, if you go out, on, if you get hurt or something happens prior to January 1st of 2022, you're going to stay on the old plan. And your disability starts, including long term, the day you go out. So anything that happens prior to January 1st old plan. Anything that happens January 1st or later, it will be the new plan. This is supposed to streamline at least New York and New Jersey, as we all know, if you're in certain states that you're paying mandatory disability to to us, to the state, and they pay you a benefit, which is deducted from your benefit um, from short-term disability. And you pay a different rate. You don't pay the full rate that people in other states uh, pay. But Sedgwick is actually managing New York and New Jersey. So Hopefully, it's a more seamless process. That's where most of our pilots are. So uh, hopefully, this helps. But as everybody fears change and everything's, uh, you know, it's it's a new provider, it's a new login, it's a new phone number, and hopefully, it works. It's, yeah, exactly. It's always difficult to make that transition from one to another, and and for those pilots that that are out either on short term or uh, long term disability. How do you conceptualize that change over taking place 
on that date? Is there, I mean, should anybody be prepared for now, you know, grabbing numbers, telephone numbers, writing down stuff, getting the directions that they need to take care of now versus trying to clean up the mess after January? When someone goes on disability, the first place they should look, go to Life is Better in Blue, type in disability, and it actually walks you through the steps of what you need to do. And there's a pilot-specific tree in there, and it should have contact numbers. Now, if the site is updated correctly for, you know, the January 1st turnover, we're not sure. Are people going to be calling MetLife? I don't know. We still have people calling Sedgwick when we had Sedgwick from four years ago. And they changed to Sedgwick was managing the rest of the employees. So it's it's always been a little bit of a difficult mess that the pilots have a little different handling than the rest of the employee group. But it should have specific information for the pilots. Transition over to long-term disability now. So long-term disability, we're also uh, changing providers. We're going MetLife to uh, the Hartford. Long-term disability is pretty expensive for pilots, obviously, because we have the loss of license aspect of it and inability to work, even though we could work at any occupation, but we do have that own OC uh, disability. So we're seeing a 17% uh, rate increase for the buy-up this year and 13% for the core. Now, as you know, the, the company pays for the core plan. You just pay the taxes on that and you pay your premiums for the long-term disability buy-up with after-tax money, and that makes your benefit tax-free. So there's no tax on the benefits. No income. It's not considered income on your W-2. Can we review the timelines real fast for for maybe those pilots that have that have recently joined JetBlue and getting their benefits aligned? When it comes to long-term disability and the core and the buy-up, how does that pay out? And we know that there's a difference in price, but there's also a difference in the benefit received from the core to the buy-up. Correct? That's right. So. The core long-term disability is 55% of your look-back income to a maximum of $13,500 per month. And the buy-up gives you 60%, but that increases the upper limit to $15,000 per month. And the important thing to remember for new hires, you know, first-time open enrollment, that is if you don't select the buy-up early and you want to select it later on, um, you'll be subject to evidence of insurability which is a difficult thing to meet. And normally you're rejected, which means you won't be able to get the buy-up later on if you so desire. Staying in the same vein, Pooch, with new hires decision-making or if somebody else has come across you know, some portion of their life where they think they might need it, when it comes to life insurance that's offered here for uh, now 2022 during open enrollment, what what is available for JetBlue pilots? So currently we have the ability to buy supplemental life insurance in addition to the JetBlue core life insurance. Just some things to note about that life insurance, and this is something you really want to discuss with your financial advisor. This life insurance is is a, a group term plan. If you go out on disability, it's not indefinite that you get to keep this plan. So you could end up on disability without life insurance after a certain period. There's a flow chart in how that works. And, you know, pretty much at five years, you'll, you'll get dropped or moved to a whole life plan, which is wholly unaffordable for most people. Something to look at. If you really are in need of life insurance, you should uh, talk to a financial professional and see what's best and understand what those restrictions are to the uh, JetBlue supplemental. Well, open enrollment 2022 is starting October 28th, 2021 through November 11th of 2021. And we've 
uh, kind of reviewed some of the bigger changes that are coming up in medical life insurance uh, as far as that aspect. But the other half of this are expected changes when it comes to retirement. I want to highlight a lot of the work that you guys within retirement and insurance have provided on b6alpha.org is a fantastic means to go gather data that may speak to you specifically or something that you might be able to inference to better insulate you where you need it or give you guidance in making your own financial decisions. When we transition out of retirement, which new IRS limits for 2022, correct? Uh, that's correct. So all these IRS limits that you're probably familiar with are indexed to inflation. And this year there was some inflation that we haven't seen in many years. So we, we had increases across the board and made the important limits that um, you, you should be familiar with. Your deferral limit uh, goes from 19.5 to 20,500. The 50 plus catch up doesn't change. It stays at 6,500. The, uh, the 415C, now that's the maximum amount of money you can put into the 401k plan, and that's your money and JetBlue's money. That increases from 58000 to 61000 this year. The, the catch-up for 50-plus is in addition to that. That's correct. So a gross misconception a lot of people have is, okay, the 415C limit, since I'm now over 50 now increases to 67.5 this year. Um, that's incorrect. You don't, it's not additive. So you, you know, the hope to put more company money in and less of your own doesn't, doesn't work. You can put that um, extra 6,500 in at any income at any point uh, in the year. So it, it's, it's separate. Okay. But the only thing automated about it is once you hit your limit of 20.5 next year, it'll automatically start putting in uh, catch-up contributions. One one other limit that changes is the what the it's called the 401a17 limit, and that's that's the maximum income that can be considered for uh, your your 16% contribution going into the plan. So it used to be 290,000. That's increasing to 305,000. So what that means is at 16%, the company contribution maximum into the plan goes from 46,400 to 48,800. That's a major portion of how you calculate what you want to go into the VBA, which we'll discuss later. As you know, once you hit that 401A17 limit, $305,000, any money that the company is supposed to give to you in 16% will come to you as taxable income. So it'll be in your paycheck and it'll be on the top line instead of the bottom line. There's content available through our communications committee that's created a whiteboard video. We call it the brief, where we really dove deep into the individual aspects of how 401k contributions, you know, 401a17s, 402ds, and how all of this stuff comes together. And then where does VIBA get introduced? It's really, really good information and a great way to kind of visualize how your money moves into VIBA. But give us another breakdown, you know, new hire centric, sure, but somebody that just might not fully understand what this VIBA contribution we have is. Sure. So the VIBA or the ALPA Retirement Health uh, Plan, which is under a Voluntary Employee Benefit Association, it's part of the uh, tax code. And it's basically a tool that you can use to defer some tax-free money towards health care. Now, currently, a couple who's going to retire today, they estimate you need $300,000 for health care money if you retired today. And we can see from the price of healthcare and the increases we've seen over the years, if you just considered a 
5% inflation rate, that number is going to double in 15 years. Depending on your age and what you're thinking about, you know, 300K is the limit you need today. You might need more. This is a way to save that money. And remember, it's triple tax savings, meaning money is coming out pre-tax. You're not paying tax on the money. It's going to be invested and the gains are not taxed and it comes out for any kind of health expenses, same things that you would use for the HSA or HRA, all those things are pretty much in line. That's tax-free as well. So when we, uh, when we consider retirement, what the R&I committee does, you know, we're not here to offer advice in, in any way. So, but what we want to do is help you understand what the tool's on. So we, we consider ourselves like a wood shop. You know, we can show you the tools and how to use them, but you can still go out there and cut your fingers off on day one. So we always recommend that when we talk about these things or you don't understand them, to you know, run it by a, your financial advisor or, or a CPA just with any questions that you have. You know, we can't, we can't give you advice on what to do, but we want to provide the tools to you. We also want to talk about some planned trends. You know, it, trends don't say there's a problem, but it just does say what a lot of pilots are doing and where people are saving and where they're not. And we just want to talk about, number one, we 20% of our pilots have loans out right now. And that could be a cash flow issue. During the CARES Act, there was an increase in the ability to take out loans. But we actually did not see an increase year over year with the CARES Act. But we stayed pretty steady, and we have been around 20%. These balances, it's around $30,000 average balance for these loans. Not saying loans are a bad thing, but it's, it's a lot of pilots with loans. Uh, we also have really low brokerage participation, and, and we, we get PDRs from pilots who say, hey, you know, I don't like the investment lineup, and we, we actually get quite a few, and our answer to that is go into the brokerage, and you can pretty much invest in anything except, except for JetBlue stock and Master Limited Partnership. So that, if that's your issue, you can buy ETFs, you can buy anything else if you don't like the investment lineup. 20% of our pilots are also still contributing 5%. And the 5% match uh, went away four years ago. So we see that as possibly a sign of apathy from some pilots. We're not sure. Maybe 5% has been the right number for 800 pilots, but maybe maybe you haven't looked at your plan. And that's that's another thing. 5% match, that's, that's strictly to 401k. So they're just giving 5% on top of the company 16% contribution. Am I getting that correct? That's correct. That's, that's salary deferral numbers. On the good side, we have almost 2,000 pilots contributing 10% or over. Wow. Some, some people are stepping up and using the 401k uh, to the maximum. Some aren't. We have some more education coming out on the salary deferral options. There's some misconceptions there. There's three options. There's the pre-tax traditional, which is something everyone's used to. We have the Roth which is a Roth 401k, and we have after-tax. Now, one thing, misconception we hear a lot is, hey, I make too much money to contribute to a Roth. That's not the case for the Roth 401k. There's no income limit. You can contribute to the Roth. The after-tax contribution is different than the Roth. That's money on top of what you could defer. So some people who are trying to turbocharge their VIVA deferrals may use an after-tax contribution. A lot of people are looking for diversity of their taxable assets. So just to give you an idea, all the company contributions, they're, they're 16% and what they've given in the past, that's currently 94% of the assets in, in the pilot plan are taxable. So when you retire, you're going to be paying tax on all that money when it comes out, 94% of it sure. on average. 
So what the Roth does for you, that money's going to come out tax-free. Some of these options, though, uh, this is the scary thing, are kind of on the chopping block with the new administration. ALPA and ALPA National, they've been compiling the data and lobbying to oppose these changes. We don't want to lose the Roth. We don't want to lose the uh, backdoor Roth and the 401k. Uh, these are all things that the uh, administration has been looking at, and that would not be beneficial to, to our pilots. We're trying to bring up more education. Obviously, COVID put a big damper on that. We weren't able to meet people in person, but we want to try to get out there at LEC meetings to talk about these topics, bring some vendors out there to talk more about retirement planning, because uh, retirement planning, you know, you don't want to be looking at it in your 60s, because if you look at the demographics of our pilot group, we now have a big uh, pig in the python of pilots, if you will, that are in that 50 to 55 range. And this is really the time to start considering seriously how, how you are on your flight path uh, for retirement. Because if you wait till your 60s, you're kind of in an emergency situation at this point, and you may not arrive at your destination, as we'd like to say. So this is really where you want to take a look at it, because if you wait too long, you're going to be behind the power curve, and we just can't keep working here at, at, in the airline business. Well, exactly. I mean, we got into this gig knowing that there was going to be a cap. We were going to hit the ceiling eventually. And it's sure, it's a, it's you know nice to have quality of life. But at the same time, it's also way more beneficial to make sure that you're going to be financially insulated. Shoot, you look at me, I, I turn around, I'll look, it's, 20, it's October 2021 already. Right. But to that point, the time escapes quickly. Yes. And it moves quickly. You said power curve. If you get behind it, it's so much more difficult to get ahead of that, to make up that difference takes a whole lot more time instead of, you know, being proactive and, and getting it taken care of, getting it squared away, getting your financial position brushed up and looking good to pay your benefits down the line instead of working twice as hard to, to catch it up. Absolutely. I mean, the hard part here is we're, we spend all our lives saving you know, and, and when you get to retirement, you have to transition to a completely different mindset. You're going from saving to spending. And you don't want to arrive at that all of a sudden and say it's, it's, it's a new day now. And you want to know that you were prepared for that and know what that entails. So if you were planning that from your 20s, you have an idea of what's coming up, what your expenses are. You know, can't give advice or what you need or what your number is because we all have different needs and different expenses and what our goals are for retirement. But you know, I, I, just as a rule of thumb, just like the three to one rule for your descent, you know, you adjust your flight path as required. So if you will, I just take, you know, some some common uh, numbers here. If you just took the salary of a, a minimum credit 320 captain, he's making about 227000 a year. And we're just talking 70 hours a month straight through. This is this is not big money. Sure. And say so you just need 80 percent of that in retirement. That's 180000 which is going to be taxable. One, rule, one other rule of thumb now, they use the 4% rule. Is, is it accurate? Some people debate that, but hey, it gives, you, it gives you a starting point. But if you take that 4% rule to $180,000, that's $4.5 million, and that's a lot of money. And when we look at the balances in the 401k, we see that you know 20-year captains here, average balances, we're looking at just over $1 million. Of course, you know, these guys started, you know, we had a 3% match back in the day. It wasn't much. And then we got that big increase to 5%. You know, it's not until we got a collective bargaining agreement that we got this uh, 16% without any strings attached. But we didn't all have that for a long time. So 
that's going to take a toll. So to get the four and a half million, that'd be if you retired today and we're, we're seeing inflation on the horizon. So say you got 3% inflation and we talked about, you know, everyone knows the rule of 72. You divide in your uh, percentage inflation or whatever your number is or your gain by for, into 72. 3% into 72 gives you 24 years. That four and a half million turned to nine million. That's a lot of money. And the 401k, you know, contributing 50 something thousand a year may not get you there. Are pilots that have, you know, 10, 15 years left, they're well versed in retirement and savings. But really where this should resonate the most, in my opinion, is we have pilots on our most recent seniority list that are going to have, you know, 38 years at JetBlue, 38 years of earning. And when when Pooch, you say, you know, $9 million, $4 million, $6 million, the time to take a look at that is right now. Absolutely. And I, I can't emphasize that enough, but we, you know, when you're an FO and, you know, cash flow can be a problem. So, you know, we, everyone has different issues to deal with, whether they're coming from another job. And, and let's face it too, you know, you kind of hit the lottery if you join a company and get to work there for the next 30 or 40 years. I want to touch back quickly on Viva. You know, you've Pooch, you've worked with it. You and your team have worked with it. You've talked to a lot of pilots about it. It is as far as you're, uh, you know, steeped in the program. What's what's some of the other takeaways that uh, that you've that you think are worthy of mentioning here today about the program? Sure. So, you know, we just talked about the four hundred one k and what some of the limitations are, and you know, the possible limitations in the future. You know, this this is just another tool for for pilots to be able to save because at the end of the day, you know, a pilot uh, at his income level, you know, we we make decent money, you know, compared to the rest of the country. We're in that top five percent probably when it comes to income because our income is on a W two, and that W two is a is a big target for uh, future taxes and anything we can do to design a plan that can help us shield income from taxes is beneficial. So with the Viva, you know, there's, there's, there's levels of participation and that's, and that's up to the pilot, pretty much that dollar an hour we're, we're trying, we're funding the plan. It's a token uh, contribution and that's required to qualify this plan with the IRS. If everybody wasn't participating, then the plan would be disqualified and we wouldn't have these tax savings. So that's the important uh, aspect of that. Uh, I've had a, a few questions recently um, in PDRs. A lot of it's about the investment uh, considerations in the plan. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to you a little about the history of that real quick. Uh, we didn't get the plan tax qualified till uh, February of 2020. So if you can imagine the environment, we, we got our lump sum from the company that was saved in escrow for this uh, right in February 2020 before the market tanked. So. Of course, our first goal when we first got the money was uh, capital preservation and, you know, setting up the plan and, and getting things moving. But we saw um, and we were advised by the financial advisors that, you know, look, it's possibly an unprecedented time and it's time to uh, to look at equities and start start to broaden out the investment options in the plan and start getting towards a steady state uh, investment uh, portfolio. So we we pressed ahead on that and we've been moving ahead and moving the assets into different areas uh, as we go. But you don't do it all at once. So 
when people want to see where the plan is currently, you need to log on to your to a light and go look into the uh, investment policy statement. And that gives you the current investments in the plan. And what we're doing is we're, we're, we're broadening out, but we're also narrowing the uh, ranges of where these investments are supposed to be, like so much in fixed income, so much in domestic equities, so much in uh, foreign equities, et cetera, et cetera. We've been doing everything we can to uh, lower costs in the plan. You're probably seeing more costs. And what happened was the money that we got for startup from JetBlue we uh, originally in the C CBA got 225,000 in startup costs. That money ran out. It actually landed, uh, lasted a lot longer than we expected. Uh, and some of the things we did for that um, to lower costs, we, we've been delaying getting an outside uh, chief investment officer because that's that's really expensive, especially for our plan. And you know, our, our plan currently stands around 16 to 17 million dollars, which is considered uh, very very small. And at a very small plan, it's pretty much a high rate uh, relative to the plan asset. So it would be expensive. So we've been using uh, Alpha Assets and their chief financial uh, analyst in-house. And that saves us quite a bit of money at, at this time. And, you know, we get to check our plan against what the Hawaiians doing at FedEx with similar plans. And, that, and that's been uh, very beneficial to all the pilots. Recently, we also had a little hiccup with uh, contributions from JetBlue. People didn't see their money come in in September for the August uh, contribution, and they had a personnel change at JetBlue, uh, and the files weren't done correctly. That's been rectified, and all the money has been deposited this time as far as I'm concerned. But uh, we try to keep things going month to month as smooth as possible, but we do have uh, variability in fees. So some people have asked about the fees, and unlike the 401k plan, uh, these fees are paid by us, by, by the plan, not, uh, the 401k plan. JetBlue pays those fees. They pay their administrator. They pay trustees. They pay for consultants, you know, all that stuff. So when we have fees, uh, we, we charge them to the plan as they're incurred. So when we have an audit in April, you might see higher costs in April. It's, it's just uh, what we're doing. We're looking at possibly smoothing that out so we don't see variability. But sometimes if uh, we don't pay a, a record keeper at a certain time because the something hasn't been done correctly, or you'll, you'll see zero fees for a month. So we're working on that and possibly uh, plan to smooth that. But we'll, we'll be passing on all that information as it happens. Glad you brought that up. Anything else to wrap up on that one? Hey, if you have any issues, especially logging on, uh, send us a PDR. We just changed administrators. And they're they're really on top of this. And if you're having problems, we you know, obviously we get we get our financial files from JetBlue, and then that passes through. And some people don't have correct email addresses or whatever. We can sort those problems, but you need to log on, check your balance, see what's going on. And uh, if you have any questions, please send us a PDR. Pooch, thank you so much for talking to us today. I, I want to talk about again the content that you guys have on b6alpha.org uh, has been there. Maybe people know about it. Maybe some people don't, but jump on over to b6alpha.org. Check out the Retirement Insurance Committee. I cannot thank you enough for putting all this content together, getting it out for us. Uh, joining us today here on Ride Report to talk about some of the open enrollment uh, changes for 2022 is a quick reminder. October 28th to November 11th, that's when it opens up. No mailer this year, so don't look for the mailer to come and sit on the top of the coffee table. That's correct. And, and, and one of the pluses of having the electronic document uh, 
in Life is Better Blue is that the links in that document take you to further information and you're already right there. So if you wanted to know more about the green and blue plan, you know, I also didn't mention, and you know, we should utilize the assets. If you wanted to talk to someone and get inf more information about what you should select in the plan, you can call Blue Carpet. And they're, they're probably your first resource. Remember, you're, you're paying for Blue Carpet with your, your health care premiums. So you might as well give them a call if you have specific questions about doctors, medication, things that are covered. I mean, they're the place to go for that. You know, we're, we're not equipped for that. And they can help you talk about the blue and green plan and what your expenses are. And they actually have information to look up what you spent on last year. And that could be really helpful to you. Pooch, thank you so much for joining us here today and giving us a quick recap. Thanks, guys. Thanks again for joining us today on this episode of Ride Report. Come back and find us right here soon. Ride Report, a podcast from the Master Executive Council of JetBlue Alpa for the union pilots of JetBlue.